Welcome to episode 65 of No Rares Required, a weekly podcast where I cover the top performing commons and uncommons in a color pair or archetype that you can vote on here on YouTube each week. And this week uh, is just the beginning of Birders at Karlov Manor. And so I'll be going over the top performer, which is Boros or Red White. And it is the one that is winning the most games, at least at the first week of Murders at Karlov Manor. The theme on MTG Arena is uh, Belligerent, which is to attack with three or more creatures. And this archetype is certainly going wide and doing it the best. Um, the secret is out, though, so I suspect this archetype to be overdrafted quickly if you're looking for archetypes to do in the next arena open. Um, but I'll start things off as I usually do by quickly going over my draft skeleton. And for those who are listening audio only on uh, Spotify or some sort of podcast website, the uh, broad strategy is to flood the board with cards that create multiple bodies in one card. So cards like Dog Walker, Inside Source, and Person of Interest. Then you finish off your opponent with a board pump like On the Job. And if you don't know what any of these cards are, don't worry, I'll be going into the cards individually. And as far as removal goes, the um, Shock and Lightning Helix are really nice uh, because they can deal direct damage to your opponent or remove a problematic blocker, while um, cards like Makeshift Binding can exile while also gaining you two life, which can be very handy if you are in a race against another Boros deck. And um, I try to be the majority white so that I don't have a difficult time casting the double pip white on, on the job. And uh, with that, though, let's cover the cards individually and when I think you should look to take them during a draft. So first, what I like to do when I'm analyzing a uh, archetype is to calculate the total wins created. And I do this by taking the average of the game's played win rate and the game in hand win rate on 17 lands and then subtract the average win rate of all of the users in the archetype and multiply it by the number of games played. And I think this is a nice way of not necessarily um, filtering just by the top players. You can use it on the full data set, gives you as much information as possible. And um, basically what we can see here, Dogwalker, top of the list. This is the card that I think is going to be heavily drafted in the next <laughs> upcoming little bit here because it has been performing incredibly well. And uh, it's the it's the disguise card that turns into a 3-1 Vigilance and two tapped 1-1 dog tokens. We've got Novice Inspector, which is the 1-2 that makes a, a clue token. We've got Inside Source, uh, which is the 1-1 that spawns a 2-2 Detective. A lot of these I'll be going over again. Uh, Person of Interest is the 2-2 that gives itself suspect and then also spawns another 2-2, so another multiple rectangles in one card. Neighborhood Guardian, which is the 2-2 that gives a plus one plus one if, if a uh, power two or less entered the battlefield, which works really well with Dogwalker. Um, War Leader's Call, which is the Boros Anthem plus one plus one, and then whenever a creature enters the battlefield, it deals one damage. Lightning Helix deals three damage, gains three life. Makeshift Binding is the uh, Exile Enchantment. It gains two life. Case of the Gateway Express, deal, all of your creatures deal one damage to a target, and then if you attack with three or more creatures, it flips and gives all of your creatures plus one plus zero. It's one of the case enchantments. Torch the Witness deals X damage times two to a target. Um, and then Aurelia, the law above, is a Boros rare <laughs> and uh, uh, just general bomb. I think it might be a mythic. Um, fuss and Bother either gives plus one plus one to each attacking creature, or you can spawn three one one flying tokens and surveil, I believe. Um, Agoras Koss, Spirit of Justice, is another Boros bomb, and um, we'll be going over that one shortly. Karlov Watchdog gives all of your creatures plus one plus one and is a three two four four. 
And then we've got Granite Witness, which is a 3-2 flyer with disguise that when it uh, enters the battlefield or is turned face up, you get to tap something. So it's really good for the tempo. And then on the job is the anthem or the, the board effect gives all of your creatures plus two plus one and I believe investigates and creates a clue token. So uh, we repeat this process again for the total wins destroyed. And um, <clears throat> these these a lot of these are just like splash cards. So you've got like the Lush Portico, the, the Meticulous Archive. Um, these are lands that are the tap lands. So the Boros deck does not really look to be splashing. So like Rakdos, Patron of Chaos is an absolute busted mythic black red um, that isn't really worth the splash, at least according to the data. And I've also noticed cards like, so like the Balrock Clan Basher is the 3-2 double strike and um, has the disguise for three double pip red. And the, the, the games tend to be very quick. They tend to be over by turn six or turn seven. So um, focus on the lower end of your curve. Um, you know, like Lumbering Laundries, another was a colorless one for five, I believe that's a four five, uh, has disguise. And so there's just a lot of a lot of cards here that are, are too expensive for the general strategy. Interesting to note Galvanize, and this is early, right? I mean, the data will change over time, but uh, Galvanize is the deal three damage or deal five damage if you sacrificed an artifact. And um, so spot removal that just targets specifically creatures and not uh, can't go face like Shock and Lightning Helix, I think is ha struggling a little bit with the Ward 2 on the disguised creatures. Um, and then like gave the gravestone strider is the one three that can fix kind of like mana worker from previous sets. And that one's just another one showing that this, this, um, archetype doesn't really want to be splashing gadget technician is another one. It's like blue red, um, splash. So after doing that, I look at the wins created and divide them by the number of times that the card was picked and graph it against the average taken at or ATA and fit the data with a logarithmic regression. And it's still early. There's a lot of noise in this, right? Um, but you know, I, this, this is my process and I'll be redoing this and, and seeing if there's any major changes to the Boros archetype over time. But what we can do from this is then calculate the distance that the card is to the fitted line, which thanks to Carl, AKA two duck cubed, I'll call value over replacement or VORP. And we can see which other the, uh, what are the top cards being taken at different time points within a draft. So top of the list, we've got Agris Cost, Spirit of uh, Justice, which is a 2-4 double strike vigilance. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you choose up to one target creature. And if it's suspected, you exile it, otherwise suspect it. So if it's already suspected and you're up against the other suspected red creatures, you can immediately just start exiling things. But it's also just you get to exile your opponent's stuff every other turn. And then a double strike vigilance applies a lot of really great pressure. War Leader's Call is the anthem. Uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, War Leader's Call deals one damage to each opponent. So this works really nicely with the general two creatures in one card that I mentioned earlier that just ping your damage for additional. And then also, this is a very board-centric strategy, so buffing your board is good. Aurelia's Vindicator is a 4-2 Flying Lifelink Ward 2 with Disguise, and you can flip it up for X, 3 and a white, um, and then it exiles X target creatures uh, and or cards from their graveyards, and when it leaves the battlefield, return those exiled cards to their owner's hand, which is kind of cool. We've seen like Brutal Cathar and things like that, that um, when they leave, they come, the, thing, the exiled cards come back to the battlefield. So these go back to their owner's hand, which is really nice because there's there are a lot of cards that um, have have in, in, enter the battlefield effects in this set. And um, so I'll also mention, like, if you exiled a face down creature and it came back to the battlefield, it would be face up. So it's uh, it's nice that they go back to their owner's hands. 
I don't think in this archetype you're ever going to actually disguise it and then do the X three and a white because it's just the, the format, at least, you know, at the beginning, aggro tends to be um, better early on in the format before people figure out the good cards and how to slow aggro down. So for right now, this is just a 4-2 Flying Lifelink Ward 2 for 2 Double Pip White, which is plenty good. Then we've got Wojek Investigator, which is a 2-4 Flying Vigilance. At the beginning of your upkeep, investigate once for each opponent who has more cards in hand than you. And I just recently had a draft where I got to uh, <laughs> have two of these as my pack one pick one and my pack one pick two. So um, I can say that with uh, this is a very good card. Um, it, honestly, the Wind Drakes, a 2-2 flyer for three, are reasonable, um, just evasive threats. And so playing a 2-4 Flying Vigilance that doesn't tap when it attacks is amazing, even if you're not getting the Investigate um, uh, every turn. But in this archetype, you're playing a lot of cheap cards. So if you do bump into a slower, grindier mid-range deck, you are likely going to be creating clue tokens that you can then use to dig for additional threats if you haven't been able to seal out the game. Lamplight Phoenix is 3-3 uh, three, three flying that when it dies, you may exile it and collect evidence for. And if you do, you return to the battlefield tapped. So it's a nice recurring threat. I haven't really seen it actually return to the battlefield all that often. Um, I think once so far. Um, but it is still, you know, it's a 3-3 three, three flyer for three, which is something that this deck is very interested in. And then we've got Pyrotechnic Performer. And this one I'm really excited for <laughs> to, to play with. I haven't had the opportunity yet. But you get a uh, you can disguise it for the three colorless and then flip it up for a disguise of one red. And when it or another creature you control is turned faced up, it deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. So not only like, you know, you can hit you flip this up and hit them for six for a very cheap amount. Incinerator of the Guilty, I've had the opportunity to draft twice already in my four drafts. <laughs> and um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the one that I had for Boros, the Incinerator of the Guilty never did anything other than be played on turn six, and then I win on turn six anyway, or the opponent scoops. But I've heard thing, I've heard tale of this story of, of this card and how disgusting it is, um, because whenever it deals combat damage to a player, so you get a, a six six flying trample creature for six. But that when it deals combat damage to a player, you collect evidence X, and then you deal that X damage to each creature and planeswalker that player controls. So you uh, it's just one sided board wipe every single time that this is connecting. And um, as the format slows down, the the power of this card is certainly going to go up. Franco, Baron of Ten Street, uh, you get a 3-3 haste, tap it, sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on each goblin that you control, and then if you sacrifice an artifact, you can pay one red to create a 1-1 one, one goblin creature token, and it gains haste until end of turn. And so there are some goblins, um, there is a goblin deck that you can technically draft, um, I haven't had the opportunity to yet, and I don't think it's going to come together all that often, but just Krenko standalone is fine. And you can use your uh, clue tokens from the Novice Inspector to, uh, you know, Otter and fuel your Cranko Baron of 10th Street. And then also just a 3-3 haste for two and a red is perfectly fine. And then last here for the rares, we've got Unyielding Gatekeeper. And this is a 3-2 for one and a white with disguise one and a white. And when it is turned face up, exile another target non-land permanent. And if you controlled it, return it to the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, its controller creates a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token. So this is particularly nice for... Um, your enter the battlefield effects and blinking your own stuff. And if they have something that is very problematic, you can use it to remove one of their blockers and turn it basically into a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token. Um, otherwise, you're just playing this out as a 3-2 uh, for one and a white. And I do think there are some times that when you're on the play and you want to just be really aggressive and pressure your opponent, that you are going to play this without disguising it. 
And uh, notably, the set does feel a little bit heavy on the bombs, uh, especially this early on. You don't usually see that many rares um, in the kind of value over replacement for picks one through 2.5. And um, so we'll see how the format evolves over time. But um, it does kind of feel like it might be a little bit of a princely set um, where certain rares just negate all of the gameplay that has happened before. Although... Um, I, it, I don't think it's it's uh, as princely as some of the sets that we've seen before, because um, like, you know, like Cryptic Coat on three you know, is a problem, but uh, I've beaten it twice as long as you have decent enough pressure. So I, I don't I don't feel like I've bumped into anything where it just like automatically wins the game yet. So we'll see. Um, as far as value of a replacement for 2.5 to 5, this is the more important part because this is like the good commons and the good uncommons and will kind of direct your um, direct you into this archetype if you see these cards are, you know, around picks three and picks uh, four and five. So top of the list here, we've got Dog Walker. Um, this is the top performing uncommon that I was talking about that is going to go into a lot of archetypes because it has the disguise cost of double pip or split cost of red and white double pipped split mana cost. <clears throat> anyway, um, so you get it. You can play this out as a three one vigilance. Most of the time, you're not going to want to do that because the real value comes in turning it face up and creating the two tapped 1-1 white dog creature tokens. And it's fantastic when your opponent blocks uh, your disguised creature with a three toughness creature and you get to like blow them out and create the two one ones and trade. So uh, I expect this one to be basically gone in the next coming weeks. So uh, get on it quickly if you do still see these in your pod. We've got Neighborhood Guardian, which is a 1-2 Grizzly Bear, that, but whenever another creature with power 2 or less enters the battlefield under your, under your control, target creature you control gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. So you can go like turn 2, Neighborhood Guardian, turn 3, Disguised Dog Walker, turn 4, flip the Dog Walker, and you get to put 2 plus 1, plus 1 counters on something, and then you can play like an another 2-drop another for 2 or whatever. Or have 2 Neighborhood Guardians, right? Play 1 on turn 4 after and you get plus two plus two for each one of the one one dog tokens anyway this card applies a ton of pressure against your opponent we've got good old lightning helix which is a deals three damage to any target and you gain three life for a red and a white like i said at the beginning you can use this to remove a problematic blocker or to um just hit your opponent directly six point swing in uh, two mana is fantastic especially in a race Novice Inspector is a Thraben Inspector reprinted, and it has been performing just as uh, we all thought it would, which is very well. You get a 1-2 that creates a uh, blue token when it enters the battlefield. Then we've got Fuss and Bother, which is the uh, split card. You can choose one side to cast, not both. And you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control for three. And with the way that the stats in um, have lined up, uh, your opponent is playing a lot of disguised creatures for three, and so are you. And you're also playing a lot of two drops that are like two twos for two. And so when they go to trade your board, plus can line up where you just blow up everything and then make your next attack even bigger. So most of the time you're casting this for fuss. Every, I, I did cast it once for bother in a game that was kind of bogged down. And um, it goes really well if you do have the on the job board, board pump to create three one one colorless thopter and then surveil too. Then we've got Inside Source, which uh, is a 1-1 that spawns a 2-2 white and blue detective creature token. Um, I've seen a couple of people paying the 3 to tap it to give a creature plus 2 plus 0 and Vigilance until end of turn. And I think you would rather be developing the board than doing that. But it does give you something to do later in the game um, when it comes down to top decking and you may not be using all of your mana. Um, but uh, yeah, still, just flood the board, go wide. It's great. It's fantastic. 
And then we've got Karlov Watchdog, which is a 3-2 Vigilance for a 3 and a white. And um, permanency control, your opponent's control can't be turned face up during your turn, so no n disguise shenanigans. And then whenever you attack with three or more creatures, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this fits very well into the belligerent Boros theme. And we've got Case of the Gateway Express, which deals uh, each creature you control deals one damage to a target creature. And then if you attack with three or more creatures, you get a uh, solved case at the end of your turn, so you don't get it for the uh, immediate uh, combat. But it's very easy to flip this in this archetype, and then um, you get all of your creatures permanently get plus one, plus zero, as long as the enchantment is on the battlefield. And then uh, Torch the Witness is the X spell, X and a red, to deal twice of X damage to target creature. And then if excess damage was dealt, you investigate. This has been good. I, I, you know, if you do have a big problematic threat that your opponent was able to flip up at, uh, for like five, um, you can deal a bunch of damage with this. Um, so it scales nicely. You can also use it for removing an early threat. And I've been impressed with Torch the Witness. Reckless Detective is a 0-3 that whenever it attacks, you may sacrifice an artifact or discard a card. If you do, draw a card, and Reckless Detective gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. This is a very important card, I think, to this archetype, um, because anytime that you're playing an aggro or a tempo strategy, you cannot afford to stumble. And so a 2-drop that allows you to rummage every single turn and discard your cards to find your lands or discard the lands that you're drawing that you're flooding to find additional stuff is particularly nice. And then a 2-3 stat block um, matches up very well against your opponent, not being able to block it with just a 2-2 disguised creature. And then um, on defense, if you are, in, you know, if you're on the draw and you need to play it more defensively, a 0-3 does block your opponent's early pressure. Makeshift Binding was the enchantment that I was talking about where you exile target creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield and then you gain two life. So the gain two life on removal has been impressive for getting rid of some of your uh, opponent's more expensive threats. So you're like your four drops and your five drops. And then the gaining two life is relevant a lot of times when you're in the mirror match and it's a race. Uh, shock, I had, <laughs> I had the privilege of having four shocks in one of my drafts. Um, I don't know why people aren't picking this card up very highly. The, the fact that you can deal damage directly to face or to remove a creature. If you're targeting a ward disguised creature, you can pay three to remove their three drop. So you're at least in parity with your opponent's mana spent. So shock, I think, is particularly good. And I'm surprised that people haven't been picking it up earlier on in the format. And uh, now we're into the value over replacement for picks five through eight. And this is where a lot of times you look at to like really flesh out your deck and really build out all of those commons. And um, there's not a huge list of, of commons for the archetypes, which is why I'm a little bit worried that the Boros archetype is going to be overdrafted here very soon um, once people figure out what the good cards are. And um, so, but your top your top performing common that I'm looking to pick up is Person of Interest. I guess there were some commons in the previous list like Shock, right? Um, but Person of Interest is one that you can pick up at a normal time, picks five through eight for a common. And for the time being, they are available and uh, it's, it fits into the uh, go wide strategy very well. There is a play versus draw kind of uh, disparity, as there always is in Magic the Gathering. But cards like this make it particularly bad, because on defense, this is a 2-2 for 4. And on offense, it is a 2-2 menace and a 2-2 for 4. So it requires three blockers to block the single card. And so if you're doing this with a board pump, that's a lot of pressure that your opponent has to answer. But it doesn't work particularly well on defense. And then we've got Red Herring, similar thing, right? It's a 2-2 haste that has to attack each turn if able. And uh, you can tap two to sacrifice it to draw a card. 
I've liked this card a lot, um, especially when you're on the play and you get to just attack into your opponent's stuff. A lot of times they the, this will actually trade up in value because of uh, trading into a disguised creature on three. And, and then if it is just going to suicide itself into something that's not going to trade with, you can sacrifice two to draw a card. And it's not the, the end of the world. So it's good early pressure. And uh, this one is one of those cards that I'm not surprised to see being available late because um, attacking each turn, uh, if able, is one that we've seen like in um, Pons of Tarkir that was kind of hit and miss. So, I mean, as, as the format slows down, the, the red herring is going to be a little bit worse. But for the time being, I've really enjoyed it. And then we've got Granite Witness, which is um, you keep your eyes out for the double pip uh, or the split mana cost cards that um, have disguise because you can play them in archetypes that don't match their main color. Right. So this is an Azorius or white blue card, but because it's disguise cost is split mana, you can play it in any white deck. And um, this one works particularly well with the Boros strategy of um, aggression you know you, you play it as it usually as a uh, only as a disguised creature you're not going to be splashing blue for this and then uh you flip it up and get to tap one of your opponent's blockers and then later you know you've got a flying you got a three two flying vigilance which applies a lot of pressure on your opponent and then we've got auspicious arrival and there's a couple of combat tricks um like the plus three plus zero and first strike that i've enjoyed playing um there's the uh, plus two plus zero and then you you spawn a two two there's there's definitely a lot of combat tricks in this set and i'm excited to see how that uh plays out because i think that many combat tricks to play around will build a more intricate and more interesting set over time um but this one is a league above the, the rest you get a uh instant target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn and it investigates so um for one in a white and so the investigate is really what puts this over the top and I've been enjoyed playing the auspicious arrivals. If this does drive up, dry up, I do think there's alternative um, combat tricks in red that will kind of replace it uh, as time goes on. We'll see. And then uh, the last here for value over replacement. This is like what cards can you take advantage of on the wheel? And there really isn't that much um, that people are missing out on, but people haven't haven't snagged onto Boros immediately and. Um, so I've been able to pick up the on the job, which is the anthem or the board pump. And uh, so for two double pip white creatures, you control get plus two plus one until end of turn. And then you investigate. And uh, so this is nice that you can wheel these for the time being. I don't think you will be able to for much longer, but maybe uh, <laughs> in week two, maybe you could uh, get in on the last little bit of it. So, um, you know, if you're watching this for a flashback in in the future, I definitely recommend get on that Boros train early. And um, so next week I'll be covering a archetype of your choice. So remember to place your vote here on YouTube and uh, remember to click like and subscribe for more nearly uh, near daily Magic the Gathering content, ranging from best of three sideboard guides to best of one um, standard meta reviews to limited content. I, I try to I try to dabble in, in many places. So thanks for listening and uh, being a part of my community. Good luck with your games and future trophies. And uh, thank you all for the support. And I'll see you next week.